You are listening to Hope Fellowship Church in Jaffrey, New Hampshire. If you would like to learn more about our ministry or feel led to donate, please visit hopejaffrey.org. As a child in the Moody household, I, I came on Christmas morning, and every Christmas morning, I had presents waiting for me. It was almost like uh, I never thought about, hmm, am I on the naughty, nice list? We didn't really do that, right? Uh, and I just knew, because who my parents were, who my family was, that there would be presents under the tree with my name on them. I never wondered, maybe this Christmas, I won't get any presents, Maybe this Christmas, it's because of all, I'll get a lump of coal, right, kids, in your stocking now? That's Santa. He does that. Remember we talked about Santa, the judgmental legalist, right? In Christ's family, right, we, we, we think about grace and mercy, and simply by being who you are, by being part of the family, I got gifts, not because I was, you know, the perfectly well-behaved child, but simply because my last name was Moody and who my parents were. I got gifts. And I've, I've been wondering about this idea that we celebrate that so much of our, our lives in our world today are, are marked by things that we earn, things we do, the meritocracy of life and world that we live in, that if you uh, achieve enough merit, you receive good things. If you do a good job, you get a raise. If you produce and be, uh, you will get, right? And, and when it comes to salvation and the things of God, there is this aspect of grace, mercy, that are just so different. It's almost as if grace becomes sometimes for us a barrier instead of a gift. Like we've been given a gift that we have difficulty receiving. In fact, I was talking to a few people, I won't go unnamed, but we were giving gifts and they didn't have a gift to return. And I was like, I just want to give you a gift. It's not a big deal. Don't stress about it, right? But we often feel like, well, I have to give something in return, right? I have to be equal in you. It says, no, no, no. I'm just giving you a gift. Enjoy it. Praise the Lord, right? And so much of salvation is that way. We feel as if we have to earn it and receive it. There's a story that I love um, and grew up with, and my parents always used to listen to the musical, the Broadway musical, Les Miserables, and it's a, it's a uh, novel as well. Uh, but as I grew up, always listening to that music around the household and, and seeing one day, I've, I've been to Broadway and I got to see it live and all this stuff. Um, there's a story in that about grace. And there's one that's very well known at the beginning of the story of Les Mis. Uh, Jean Valjean, this is the main character. He comes up to Javert and there's these two guys that are kind of at each other. But at the very beginning, Jean Valjean is, is feeling, was imprisoned because he stole a loaf of bread to give to his starving family. And then there's a scene in that moment that is very famous. People talk about it all the time. Um, it's the story of when Jean Valjean is having to steal these silver candlesticks and he gets caught. The police catch him. But the man who owns those candlesticks is a bishop, is a minister. And he comes and says, no, I was giving these candlesticks to him. Let him go free. Don't charge him and put him in prison for the rest of his life. Let him go free. And the man steps forward and, and as like a substitute for him, gives him grace and mercy. In fact, then not just mercy, he gives him the candlesticks and says, take these. Take these silver candlesticks. You go and become a better man. Live in a place of honor. Make a name for yourself of honor instead of thieving and, and stealing and robbing. And Jean Valjean is taken aback by this. This man didn't have to do this. 
but he gave him grace, and it changed his life. Throughout the rest of the play and the storyline, Jean Valjean is living out of a place of grace, not of law and breaking it in these certain things. But Javert is this inspector, this police person who's hunting Jean Valjean because he believes him guilty of a crime. And he hunts him throughout the play like a fugitive, and he is merciless. He is hard, and he is cold. He lives by the law. Jean Valjean should be punished, Javert says, for his crimes. And so the storyline eventually comes to the end of the play, which I had forgotten recently, until recently, that, that Javert is, wanting to, is, is actually caught. There's the rebel French resistance, and Javert is caught, and he's going to be murdered and executed by the resistance. And what's fascinating is, of course, out of, the, out of this time, Jean Valjean steps forward and does the reverse of what was done for him. He offers to execute Javert for, uh, for the others. He says, this man's hunted me down. Let me take him. I'll kill him for you. And so he, he takes Javert and drags him into the alleyway. He takes a gun. Instead of putting the gun to Javert's head, he shoots it in the sky. And everyone else thinks that Jean Valjean has murdered the, the inspector and has taken his life. But instead, he extends this hand of forgiveness and for grace. Even though he's been hunting him his whole life, he says, you, go free and be free from this, this law that's binding you. And so Javert goes free. And what happens is at the end of the story here, Javert has been given grace. He's been given a gift. What will he do with it now? Javert has difficulty reconciling these two things in his mind. He sings about it. He writes of it. Victor Hugo, I believe it is, writes of this. And he, he writes of this trying to reconcile law and grace in his heart and in his mind. The law says I must be punished for this gift, uh, for, for this law that I have broken. But grace says, I may now go free. And he cannot accept a gift of grace. He, he cannot take it. He will not take it from a man such as Jean Valjean who rescued and saved his life. And so as a result, he sings that he is, he is in this place where he doesn't know what to do. And eventually he goes to the top of this, this um, pinnacle and he throws himself off the cliff into the river. There's this situation in his mind. He cannot reconcile that he has been given a gift of grace. And so much of us, in a similar way, have difficulty receiving the grace of God over our lives. We have difficulty forgiving our own selves, let alone trusting that God has forgiven us. Actually believing that you are forgiven. Actually believing that by the grace of God go I, it is by his grace and mercy. It's this upside-down kingdom that God pours out upon us that we looked at in John 1.16. The verse that we've been looking at almost every week for the last couple of weeks. What is it? John 1.16. From his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. It's a grace multiplied. We need this grace, do we not? For we are like Jean Valjean and these others who have committed a crime. They have done something wrong. We are in some ways, by measure of the law, deserving to be punished. Our pride says that we have difficulty, though, receiving this grace because often we don't want to admit it. A shame in our lives condemns us in our failures. Our guilt that we live in convicts us. Law is our schoolmaster and teacher saying that no one is righteous, no, not one. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of this conviction, in the middle of this condemnation, in the middle of this judgment that we are under, there's this interruption. There's this light that pierces into the darkness. 
the darkness of our souls and our hopelessness and gives us a living hope. And it's depicted here in John chapter 1 as the Word who was made flesh, who came to us and gave us grace upon grace, a grace multiplying upon grace for us, which ultimately we would encapsulate in the word, you've been saved or salvation. Last couple of weeks, we've looked at regeneration, right? Being regenerated with life. We've looked at faith in God and repentance from sin. We've looked at the very concept of justification, that you've been justified in God's sight. We've looked at sanctification, what it means to grow in Christ and in Christ and in holiness, being filled with the Spirit, therefore you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How is it that we reconcile these gifts of grace? We receive them in faith. <laughs> and today I want to look at briefly this concept of adoption. I think it fits well for today. Today's kind of like a family Christmas. Some of us showed up in PJs. Some of us, the kids are enjoying this time of just happiness and joy here on a Christmas day. This is so cool. This is Christmas morning, and we're here together as a church family. And, and, and we get to celebrate the greatest gift ever been given, the grace of Jesus Christ. Or as we've been looking at, we've been united by something. And we're united by the grace of God. And grace is depicted in many ways, unmerited favor. But we also looked at throughout this series how grace equals Jesus. Ultimately, when we talk about God's grace, you can also say we're talking about Jesus. Grace is Jesus. And so as we speak about Christmas, Jesus being born, Jesus becoming flesh, God incarnate among us, we look at this idea in John 1 which is Jesus, this God on high, you could say, being, come, being made flesh is, is depicted in this word called the word. The, in Greek, it's the logos. This all divine, powerful word, which has literally, as it says, this word was before the beginning. This word created the world. This word was in the beginning. Nothing created it. It was there. And we don't even know who and what this word is until later on we find out this word is Jesus. So there's so many beautiful characteristics, but this word that has invaded our world is a light, and it becomes to us our life, and it depicts to us and gives us this light in life through grace and truth, through grace and truth. He's given us this gift of grace to find the light that we need in the truth that we so are desperately craving for, and the grace that we need for the mercy that we're needing for our souls so that we can find eternal life. And he does this all through this beautiful story of, of adoption. This kind of point number two is receive his gift of adoption as a child this Christmas, where it says that we're supposed to have faith like a child. And here we come to Christmas Day, and some of us, as we get older, yes, we get a little jaded to all the Christmas stuff, but if you can remember your childlike wonder at Christmas, we have a similar manner as we come to, to Christmas Day here as we think about Jesus. We have this wonder as a child, and we are called to receive this gift of adoption. We see that. Look at verse 11 through 13 with me. So 11 through 13 gives us the storyline of Jesus, the word, coming into the world, invading our world. And what does he do? Comes into the world. He becomes flesh. What does it say? He came to his own, and his own people did not even receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be the children of God, to those who believe in his name. He gave them the right to be the children of God. See that? To all who did receive him. This word that has became flesh, this veiled in flesh that God had seen, hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. And yet many, 
Though this Emmanuel, God with us, has come to be with us, many, it says in verse 11, did not receive him. Do you see that idea? You've been given a gift. You've been given the Savior of the world. And it says many didn't receive the gift. They couldn't receive it. They didn't want to receive it. They didn't understand how to receive this gift. Came into the world, and yet his own did not receive him. John 3, 19 also says the light has come into the world. The people love the darkness. This is 1 John 3, 19. That the love the darkness rather than light because their works were evil. Many love the darkness more than the light, and they would not receive the light that has come into their life. But those of you who, who are here as believers, those of you who did receive him, he gave something to you. And I want us not to miss this today. He gave you a gift he gave this gift of to mankind, the ultimate gift of his son, Jesus Christ, yes. But in that gift, as you receive Jesus, you are given something else. Do you see that in verse 12? Verse 12, but to all who did receive him, what did he give? He gave them the right. The right for what? This right, this sacrifice, substitutionary atonement, this propitiation, expiation, justification, all of these things, this right that is enabling us to become at peace with God as God has taken our place, his light is filling our lives, our breath, his breath is now in our lungs. He takes the cross and then we follow him in the way of Jesus. This is the way that there is a right even available for us. It is through Jesus, through his justification. But this right opens the door so that we could be part of the family of God. So that we could become the children of God. It's an incredible, incredible act of grace. A vivid picture. A child. So today, if you don't get anything, be a child, right? Be like a child. Be a kid again. You get to be a kid, a child of God. Is this, we imagine, the, the, we almost marvel at this because through the Old Testament, the Israelite people, and now you and I as Gentiles get to read John 1 and say, wait, I'm now a child of God. God's grace is now extended to me? This is incredible. But how is it that you become a child of God? By your lineage, by your last name, by your status, your merit? No, what does it say? Verse 13 how is it that you become a child? How is it that you become part of God's family? Well, verse 12 said to those who believe in his name. Verse 13 says, those who were born, you could say those who were born again. Because it says those who were born, not of natural descent, not of like will of uh, the flesh or of will of man. No, no, no. But those who are born of God. You see that? Those who are born of God. It's not this idea that we talk about in John 3. Do you remember Nicodemus and his conversation with Jesus in John 3? What does he ask Jesus? He's confused. Because how is it that I come into this kingdom that you speak of? Jesus is like, you know, you come into the kingdom of God and you must be born again. And he's like, wait, um, do I go back into my mother's womb? Like, this is weird, right? How does this work? And Jesus is like, no, no, no. That's not how it works. Verse 8 in John 3, he says, born of the spirit. There's this rebirthing. Is this born again? The Son of Man descended from heaven to save mankind. You believe in that Son of Man, you believe in Him, and you will be born again, born of the Spirit. How am I to be born again into this family? We look like Jesus, we follow Him as later on in that same passage. He says, just like Moses lifted the staff on high, the snake that was wrapped around it that, that healed the people from their poisonous snake bites. We now look to that staff. We look to the cross. We look to Jesus, who is our Savior, who takes away our sins. 
so that whoever would believe in him and have eternal life. And then right after that verse, we hit John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son and whoever believes in him wouldn't have to perish but have eternal life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus comes not to condemn the world, but to save it. We are born not by our merit into this family. We are not born into this family uh, to, to by our, our last name, our lineage, or our heritage. We are not born of our will or our, our ability to try or, or know more or be smarter or go to church or go to Sunday school or operate in the right way or be on the nice list and not the naughty list. It's, it's not that at all. It's born by our faith in Christ as we are born in Christ alone, through faith alone, by grace alone. And we are welcomed into this family, the family of God, and then we are treated as his children. We are adopted into God's family, born into a family as the Son of God, Jesus Christ, has welcomed us in. And this child in a manger comes to give you the right to become a child of God. Little, little baby Jesus, this little child, comes so that you and I could not be ostracized on the outside, condemned far away, but we would be brought near. And not only would we just come near in fear, but we'd be welcomed in, sit at the table, and here's some gifts. Open Christmas presents. Enjoy the joy of your salvation, child. Adoption magnifies to me in some ways a little bit different kind of aspect of God's grace as we imagine ourselves welcomed into this family. There's so many facets of the jewel or the diamond of God's grace or the kaleidoscope that we turn and see in different ways, different shades, different colors. But, but God's grace shown in adoption is, is special. It's always been one of my favorite aspects of salvation. Adoption has always been something very special to me. Many of you have even have stories of adoption. I know there are children here that I've witnessed and seen be adopted into families, and it's a beautiful thing. My own family, I have my own story of adoption. In some ways, there was a Finnish mother and an Italian man in the army who had a baby. The baby was eventually put up for adoption many years ago. She was adopted by a, a Christian man and his wife from Georgia who didn't think they could have children. And they were adopted into this wonderful Christian home, raised in love, peace, kindness. Of course, they weren't perfect parents like everybody, but they were sure to raise this child with love. They were raised, she was raised in in Warm Springs, Georgia, a daughter of Ralph Burris, now adopted into a family, raised and received just like any other child with full rights as a child with life of the very own and gifts for this child just like any other child. This little girl was my mother, adopted as an infant. And in some way, maybe I just connect the story of adoption to, the, to that, that in some way I'm here today because my mother was adopted and raised in a wonderful and loving Christian home. The gospel message was passed on to her She was raised up into that and raised me in the same way. Eventually, my mother went off to a Christian college in South Carolina where she met my father, Kevin Moody. They were married. They moved here to New Hampshire to continue uh, the work that uh, his father, my grandfather, Melvin Moody, started in Dublin, New Hampshire, pastoring a church, founding a Christian school, training Christian leaders for the future. 
They'd have three children, my older brother Brandon, my older sister Cameron, and myself, uh, the youngest little brat of the family, uh, Jordan, right? We were raised up in the things of God, taught the, the word from a young age. We were taught to love each other, to be kind, to love God first and love our neighbor as ourself. We were loved as Moody kids, the children of Kevin and Ruth Ann Moody. Inheritors of a rich spiritual heritage of aunts and uncles and grandparents who all by the grace of God that has been poured out into their lives sought to give that grace to others as best they knew how, to teach others about Jesus, to share the love and the kindness of God that's been given to them. We love because we have been first been loved. Grace of God was extended to me, myself, my siblings. Now we're seeking to do the same for our children by God's grace, as imperfect as I feel in that job every single day cannot be ignored as I look back on the story of adoption in my own family and my own mother that extends to my spiritual adoption today into the body of Christ. I pray that also touches my own very children, Charlie and Taylor and Judson. I'd be raised in a little, tiny little town in New Hampshire, receive Jesus as my personal savior where I would feel a call to preach God's word and minister to his people through this church. I'd meet my future wife in New Hampshire. We'd be married. We have kids. And we stand before you today as a, as a testimony of God's grace. Grace that has been extended to me that I know through the, the hand of Jesus Christ and through his spirit has been extended to you as well. And it's through the lens of adoption that we see how marvelously beautiful God is. And how ridiculously insane that story of grace is. For I have no right to be adopted into this family. I have no merit on my own to deserve God's grace. I don't have a place at the table. And when I come to the Christmas tree, I don't have any gifts waiting for me. But it's by Jesus. It is through his sacrifice. Through his coming and through his love and through his grace. That I come before the table. I sit and I eat. I take of the bread and drink of the blood. And I, I, I join him in communion and I come before him on a Christmas day and I celebrate with a smile on my face because I've been forgiven. And I've not just been forgiven, but I've been adopted into his family. Just like Romans 8 says. Romans 8 says I don't have to come to him in fear anymore. Romans 8 says I come to him in joy and happiness and peace because what does it say? For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received a spirit of adoption. By whom we cry out, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And the word goes on and says, and if, and if children, then we are also heirs. Do you see that? Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. You see, this passage is beautiful because it's this aspect of grace, not just mercy. He hasn't just forgiven you. And set you free to, to then figure it out on your own. He forgives you. And then by his grace, he gives you greater things. <laughs> a gracious place at the table. A spot around the Christmas tree. He welcomes you into his family. And that's what I want to challenge you as we close. To receive the gift of adoption as an heir. Not just a child. Galatians 4 highlights this. I'm just going to read this. Comment on it. And we'll be finished for today. Galatians 4 says... 
says this, Galatians 4, 4, and when the time of completion had come, God sent his son. Maybe some of your translations might say when the fullness of time had come. This means when, when God's providence is directed that it was time to send Jesus into the world on that day, when the star was in the sky, God sent Jesus into the world. So when the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. What did he come to do? The next verse says, to redeem those who are under the law. The Javers of the world who were living under the law and condemned by it and could not let go. He comes to redeem you and me, you and me, under the law, so that we might receive, there's the word receive again, receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent his spirit and his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And even better than that, you're not just a son or a daughter, you're even better than that, grace then God has made you an heir, an heir to it, an inheritance that is imperishable. First Peter speaks of this inheritance that has been kept in heaven for us. Matthew speaks about an inheritance that is something that cannot be taken away, stolen, rusted, or corrupted. It's something internally preserved for us. It's unfading, undefiled, imperishable, and kept in heaven for you an inheritance of eternal life, an inheritance of grace given to you and to me today. And that's why we come to Christmas Day and celebrate with joy and a smile on our faces because God sheds upon us his grace upon grace upon grace upon grace and that is reflected in his grace and truth, in his light and in his life. The truth that invades our life with the light of the world that we can now see properly when we could not see before for that light has entered into our darkness and then that grace has been extended to us so that we may receive life for the light of the world is also the life of all men. And so this Christmas morning, the grace and truth, the light and the life extended to us through this fullness of Jesus Christ, we come to this place where (laughs) In many ways, the the decorations and the lights and the shining and the the festive things, they push back the the shorter and the darker days. These lights and their festive ornaments simply remind us of the light who has come into the world to dispel the darkness through the giving of his life. In him was life, and the light was the light of men. And in this light that shines with grace upon grace, it offers forgiveness, it washes your sins away, The truth of the light is its effectiveness and power. Jesus' light can actually do something about the darkness that is within us. For we could not do it by ourselves. And spiritually speaking, we all deserve to be canceled or judged or condemned. But God has given us grace. Our lives can't measure up to the holiness of God. We've all fallen short of his glory. But the good news of Christmas is the light of the world shines grace into our shame-filled and guilt-ridden hearts. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it, and I can declare to you that the darkness will not overcome it. This is the ultimate gift of grace. It will not win. (laughs) The darkness will not be controlling on us. We have been set free. The light shines. The darkness will not overcome it. It will not last. He came into the world, and he's coming again. He's come full of grace and truth. He wants the earth to receive her king And let every heart prepare him room. There is a joy to the world because the light shines in the darkness and pours out his grace and truth upon us. And the question is for us in closing today. The question is for us. What are we gonna do with that gift? And will you receive the gift of Jesus? Seems like a simple thing. 
You've been given grace, but are you willing to forgive yourself? Are you willing to humble yourself and receive the gift of God's grace? Are you willing to forgive yourself and forgive others to love God and love your neighbor? Are you willing to receive a gift that you have not earned? That's where the rubber meets the road maybe for us. For those of us who do receive that gift, and I hope that's all of you today, for those of us who do receive it, he gave you the right to be the children of God to those of you who believe in his name. C.S. Lewis says, the son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. This is grace. Not that you just simply avoid punishment or the judgment of God, but that in and by your faith in Jesus Christ that you would be adopted into his family, welcomed in as his child. And it doesn't just stop there. You go from trespassing on the law of God, sinning against him, to then be adopted as his child and to become a co-heir with Christ. That is incredible. An incredible message of grace. Grace upon grace. Can't make this stuff up, right? There's a line from a song I really like says the beauty of grace is that it makes life not fair. <laughs> Thank God for that. And so today we come and we worship him. Hail, hail the word of flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you for this beautiful gift. We ask God that you would receive our humble acts of worship. We feel like maybe the, the wise men today, Lord, we, we're bringing gifts to you and we don't even know if they're good enough. And yet, what's beautiful about it is you receive them all the same. Whatever we can offer to you, whether it's a widow's might or it's a great vast fortune or if it's simply our lives, what is it that we can bring to you? We give you our hearts today. I pray, God, that you would fill us with your spirit. It would help us to encourage everyone who is here, even from the children among us, to encourage them in Christ and that Jesus loves them and has given his life for them. Thank you, God, for the happiness that your, your little baby boy brings into this world the light that shines into the darkness. The darkness will not overcome it. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.